You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Welcome to Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric, and this is episode two. Hell yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode one. We really love the support and everything for listening, and we had a great time doing it. Yeah. I'm having fun again. Are you ready for another one? Yeah, so this one, uh, I haven't heard anything about this case or missing persons, or I don't, I don't even know what it is, because I haven't heard it. Uh, I've just been chilling, drinking beer, and Shelly's going to tell me the story, and See how I react because I love true crime. Actually, don't. <laughs> and because I love her, I listen to it all the time. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't love it because I get really angry. This is true. Yeah. And want to do things to. Yeah, he does to, not enjoy all evil of, people. This is true. Yeah, he does not enjoy all the uh, true crime that I watch and, and stuff. He he, he has who, to go and who do. Who enjoys it? <laughs> I mean, people like me enjoy it. <laughs> Yeah, he goes and does his music, does his own thing. Yeah. But buckle in, buddy, because this one's pretty crazy. Click. <laughs> All right, this is uh, the story of uh, Catherine Knight. She actually murdered John Price. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little, about, a little bit about Catherine Knight first. Um, but to clue you in, <laughs> uh, there's going to be actually two Davids and two Johns in this story. So I'm going to only use their last names. So it's a little easier. So Catherine Knight, um, she was born October 24th, 1955 in Tenterfield, Australia. So this whole st- story is in Australia. Down under. Yes. Her mother was Barbara Rowan. Before Catherine was born, her mother, Barbara, was married to Jack Rowan. And the couple lived in Arberdeen in South Wales, Australia. Uh, they had the two of them had four sons together, but Barbara ended up having an affair with Ken Knight, who was actually a coworker of her husband's. So Barbara and Jack divorced, resulting in the two older boys living with Jack and the two youngest living with an aunt in Sydney, Australia. Uh, Ken and Barbara, they had four children together, including two twin girls, resulting in Catherine Knight. And so, um, growing up, Catherine had the worst childhood, uh, which I believe contributed to like a lot of, contributed to a lot of the Usually violence. Usually does. Usually does. Yes, exactly. So Ken, her father was an alcoholic. He was a very violent, violent man. He actually abused his wife mentally, physically, and sexually. So according to many sources, Barbara was raped by Ken, her husband, up to 10 times a day. What the fuck? And uh, in turn, she would tell her daughters like intimate details about her being raped and how much she despised men and how much she hated having sex. She would tell her children this, her little young girls. Um, There was actually an incident where um, Catherine had actually told her mom that a boy that she was around wanted to do some uh, sexual acts with her. And her mother said, quote, Put up with it and stop complaining. 
Hmm. Yeah, her mother, again. Uh, so Catherine even had said until the age of 11 that her own family members were sexually abusing her. And in high school, some said that she was a pleasant girl, but when she got stressed or she got angry, she would burst out and she would just bully other people. You know, she got bullied her whole childhood, it seems like, from her own parents. More than bullied. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, in one instance, she actually assaulted a boy with, it didn't really kind of say what weapon it was, but she assaulted it or assaulted him with a weapon. And she also tried to go after a teacher. Um, so, but she ended up leaving high school when she was 15. Uh, she did not know how to read or write. Uh, so she actually got employed at a, as a cutter at a clothing company. And years later, she got what was her dream job. And she was employed as an OFL. I think that's how you pronounce it, at a slaughterhouse. Uh, so when, I didn't know what it, do you know what an OFL is? No. OFL? I don't know how to say that. It's how, do you, how do you spell it? O-F-F-A-L. The entrails and internal organs of an animal used as food. Yeah, I've never heard of that. So the giblets. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was her dream job. Uh, she loved her job so much she went out and bought, like, these crazy butcher knives to have. In some sources, as you actually, do as a butcher or a cook, you know, you yeah. gotta have a good set of knives. I heard that she would like hang them above her like bed or hang them on the wall somewhere, so that way, if she ever needed it, it was like right there on her wall to grab. That's dangerous. Well, working at the slaughterhouse, she met David Collette in 1973, uh, which she eventually found out that he was an alcoholic too. Uh, so if Colette ever gotten physical altercations with anyone. She was like right there next to him, always by his side. And she was just like very controlling over him in their relationship and stuff. They actually ended up getting married in 1974. And on the day of her wedding, her mother, Barbara, told Colette, her soon to be husband, quote, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. David was actually quoted saying, uh, quote, the old girl, which I'm assuming is he, he's talking about her mother, Barbara, said to me to watch out. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. <sighs> That's what her, her mother told her soon to be husband the night of their wedding. And they ended well, yeah, getting... the mother would know she created that child. <laughs> yes, exactly. Spot on. Yep. And left her in those such in those situations, not giving a fuck about her. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! So on the night of Catherine and Colette's wedding, she actually attempted to strangle her new husband. Um, because on the night on the night of their wedding, they had uh, sex three times, and after that third time, he fell asleep, and she got extremely angry over him falling asleep. So she tried to strangle him. On the night of their wedding. So um, one night, uh, her new husband, Colette, had made uh, finals in a dart competition. And upon arriving home late that night, he came across a very, very angry Catherine. And also at the time, she was very pregnant. And she was burning his shoes and his clothes because he came home late. Wow. Yeah. And then she took a frying pan and she hit him in the back of the head. For doing great at darts, bitch. Uh, so he ran away from Catherine after getting hit in the back of the head, and he collapsed in a neighbor's like yard or their house or something. And he actually got he, his injuries resulted in a badly fractured skull. 
<laughs> frying pan. No cops involved? Uh, so, yeah. So, the cops came, but they wanted to charge her. Um, but Catherine actually talked her new husband into dropping the charges, so he did. Take me back. What year was this again? Uh, 1974. Okay, in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, so nothing. She got no charges against her or anything. Um, she finally gave birth to her daughter, Melissa Ann. And Colette actually left her and moved to Queensland with another woman. I don't blame him. <laughs> but then uh, Catherine was admitted to the St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth after she was actually seen pushing her daughter. Uh, it says in a pram, which I looked up, it's a stroller. I think it's called a pram, prom. Um, she was violently throwing the stroller from side to side when her she was just a baby. And she was just walking down the street, and she was just throwing the stroller side to side. Um, so Rocking went, the baby. Yeah. So upon she went back to the hospital, and upon arriving there, she was diagnosed with postnatal depression. Uh-huh. And she spent several weeks there recovering. So she was released from the hospital, and her daughter was two months old at this time. She placed her on the railroad tracks... She then went and stole an axe from somewhere, and she just started to, like, threaten to kill everybody. I'm assuming she still was going through all this. She placed her baby on the railroad the tracks? The same baby that she was throwing around in the stroller, she placed her on the railroad tracks. And then left her there? Left her there. She stole an axe from somewhere, and then just started threatening everyone she was coming across to kill them. Um, Did so, someone find the baby? Yes. So, I love this. A man in the town, his name was, quote, Old Ted. He found the baby and rescued uh, her. Good old Old Ted. Old Ted. He rescued her literally minutes before the train was coming. What the fuck? So, Catherine was again taken back to the same hospital. And guess what she did the next day? She signed herself out. Okay, so um, she signed herself out that next day. And Catherine wanted to go back to Queensland. Like I had mentioned, her uh, husband, Colette, uh, he went. He moved to Queensland with that other woman. So Catherine decided to get a knife. She slashed a woman in the face, demanding that she drive Catherine to Queensland so she can look for her husband. Which I think, I'm believing at this time that they're still legally married because it said husband, it's say ex-husband. So this woman was forced to drive her to a gas station and thankfully she actually escaped and by the time uh, officers had gotten to her Catherine had a little boy hostage with a knife and what the fuck yeah but they disarmed her with no injury to the little boy and she was yet again admitted to a hospital but it was Morissette Psychiatric Hospital so while she's at this hospital, she actually admitted to a nurse that her intention was to kill a mechanic at that gas station because he did repairs on her husband's car and that he wanted to kill her husband and his mother. She told a nurse at the hospital. Catherine wanted to kill him, Colette, her husband, and the mother. So police actually went to Colette, her husband, and told him like all of her intentions of wanting to kill them. And he ended up leaving the girlfriend that he had when he actually in- intended to go to Queensland with that other woman. That woman, he left her and he moved back to support Catherine and moved in with her and his mother, the two people that she was intending to kill. 
they moved in together and she was released from uh, the hospital on August 9th of 1976. And uh, that's who she was released in the care of was Colette and his mother. And so they moved back to, or I'm sorry, they moved to Woodridge, which I guess is the suburb of Brisbane. And Catherine was employed at the Dinmore, Dinmore Meatworks. On March 6th, 1980, she had another child. With this guy, David Collette? Yes. The same, ba- same man that she had the other baby with that she was throwing around in a stroller. The same man that she was threatening to kill. And his mother. And now she's living with them. And she had another child. She gave birth to Natasha Marie. Four years later, Catherine ended up leaving Colette and moved in with her with her parents and ended up renting her own house, but injured her back at a slaughterhouse, uh, which she ended up uh, living off of disability. And so in 1986, Catherine met David Saunders. He was a 38 year old miner who lived in an apartment in Scone. Saunders actually moved in with Catherine and he had an apartment. But he was like, I'm going to move in Catherine, but I'm going to keep my apartment just in case. I don't blame him. It was a good idea. And that was a smart move because Catherine became jealous of everything he was, everything that he was doing. And when he wasn't around, she would just be like all jealous of not knowing what he was doing, where he was going and stuff. Um, So she ended up kicking him out of the house like all the time (laughs) randomly and he was just fed up with all the shit. So he actually moved in back to his apartment, which was a good idea why he kept it. But of course, Catherine just kept begging him to move back in. So, oh my God, this part makes me so angry. So on May, in, oh sorry, in May of 1987, she took Saunders' two-month-old little dingo pup and she cut its throat. Right, what the fuck? Right in front of him. To show him that that would, would happen to him if he had an affair with someone else. And then she took a frying pan and she knocked him unconscious. I think this is the second frying pan? Second or third? I don't think it's second. What the fuck's up with her in frying pans? If someone slipped my dog's throat, and she'd, she'd be dead. What are these weak-ass men doing? I don't know. I don't, even, I don't I, want to blame it on that, but like... I don't know, like, that's two different dudes that she finds. Maybe she just takes complete control over them, and they just feel weak. I don't know. I mean, who's going to sit there and watch a puppy get his throat sliced and not do one damn thing? She has some crazy control over people. I wonder, like, what it was. So in my notes, I actually wrote, Catherine motherfucking Knight then went on to have yet another daughter. But this, actually, this daughter is from Saunders. So this is her third child. Two from Colette, one from Saunders. Both Davids. Just clarifying. Yes, this is both Davids. These are the two Davids. So, um, so she cut puppy's throat, had a baby with him, threatened to kill him and his mother, and then they bought a house together. So it's fitting. That's what you usually do. Right. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Steps that's for funny. marriage. That's what I usually hear. Steps for marriage. <laughs> so, um, Catherine actually. It was just a funny little detail. She uh, decorated the entire house with just uh, with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. I think I've been to a house like that before. 
hunter that I knew. Just all these animals all over the fucking walls. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said she left literally no Probably no your house space. looks like Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Slash John Deere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she, it said that she left like no space uncovered in her house. There's just shit everywhere. Um, so one night, Catherine and Saunders actually got in a fight. And she hit him in the face with an iron, and then she stabbed him with a pair of scissors in the stomach. So Saunders went into hiding, and Knight tried to go find him, and uh, but like he literally went into hiding, hiding. But left the kid with her. Yes. Bro, oh, what a fucking man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So yeah, he left, and he went hiding. No one would tell her. No, one would give up his location or anything. No one wanted to say where he was. But like you, like the daughter, uh, you were saying months later, he actually came out of hiding because he wanted to see his daughter so bad. And, uh, but so months later, how do you fucking leave your daughter with some psycho like that for that long? I don't know. And where's, where's his mother? Is she with her still? I'm assuming it never really mentioned. I'm assuming because she was left in the care of them when she left the hospital. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming that was one person who wouldn't give up, you know, his location was definitely his mother. But for some, it's so crazy how she has all these babies. Dad, as a dad, you got to protect your kids. And you don't think that's like a violent situation to leave them in? And he leaves for two months and because he misses the kid, he comes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she's the antagonizer and like the fucking someone who's crazy and does all these violent things towards people. But at the end of the day, you're guilty, too, for running away from that and leaving your child with her. True. After she yeah. cut your puppy's throat, man. Yeah. But maybe he was just like really fearful for his own life that he's going to die. And I, yeah, I, I, I get what you're, yeah, I get what you're saying. Your I get what you're kid. saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. But yeah. Maybe he didn't like his mom, but that's your fucking kid. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I totally get that. Yep. So yeah, he ended up coming back a month later. Um, get this. Catherine issued an AVO against him, which is an apprehended violence order. Claiming that she was afraid of him. So, that was the end of that. So, it turns that around. Mm-hmm. So, she's afraid of him, and now he has this AVO against him. Fucking bullshit, dude. What the fuck? So, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. 1990, Catherine got pregnant again, but from another man. 43-year-old John Chillingworth. Thought his name was going to be David. Nope. This is the next set of Johns. Two Davids and two Johns. So she had a thing for Davids and Johns. I don't know what it was. So yeah, she got fucking pregnant again. Um, Chillingworth was actually a former co-worker of hers at the slaughterhouse. And they had a son together and his name was Eric. So they were together for three years until Catherine uh, was having an affair with another man. And his name was John Price. So they had a little three-year fling, and that was it. So who is John Price? He was born on April 4th, 1955, and uh, I don't know, I just thought it was a little cute. They called him Pricey. John Price. Cute. Cute. I love it. He was a father of three children, and him and his wife got divorced in 1988. Uh, So the uh, the younger child actually stayed with his former wife, and then he got custody of the two older children. He was aware of Catherine's violent behavior, but he still allowed her to move into their house. And that was in 1995. And his, they actually, the article actually said that his children like liked her. They actually really liked her. They seemed to 
get along with her. So in 1998, Catherine and Price got into an argument over Price not wanting to marry Catherine. So she videotaped items that Price had stolen from his job and sent it to his boss. That resulted after 17 years, Price getting fired and these stolen items uh, were just out of date medical kits. But he got fired after 17 years because he's a bitch. So Price kicked her out of his house and... Although he would rekindle the relationship, he, he uh, wanted to get back together with her, but he was like, you can't fucking move in here. You're not moving into my house. We can kind of see where this goes, but you can't move into my house. Uh, so obviously the relationship escalated so bad that Price's friends, like he, they didn't want anything, anything to do with him anymore. They were like, if you're with Catherine, I want nothing to do with you. If you break up with her, we can be friends again, but until then. So, on February 29th, 2000, Price made his way to the Scone Magistrate's Court. I think that's how you say it. And he abstained a restraining order. So that way, Catherine couldn't come anywhere near him or his children. So that same afternoon, he was at work. And he had told his co-workers that he, if he never showed up to work the following day, that Catherine had killed him. So his co-workers actually begged him not to go home that night, but he was just so in fear of his children's safety. But when he actually got home that night, his children or Catherine weren't home, which was weird. And he actually found out that Catherine had sent his children to stay at a friend's house. I didn't really read anything to him why he didn't go question that or like see where his children were or more into that but I just uh, read an article that he spent the evening hanging out with his neighbors and then he ended up going to sleep at 11 p.m. So while Price was going through all of that and everything hanging out with his neighbors and everything Catherine went out and she bought herself black lingerie and then she videotaped her children making comments in a video and investigators think it was some kind of weird like will and she wanted to just videotape her children saying stuff. I've never seen this what video. I don't fuck? know what they're saying in it. But yeah, they think it's like some kind of will that she was, yeah, weird. Okay, so Catherine then proceeded to go over to Price's home. And uh, he was asleep, so she just watched TV for a little while. She took a shower. And then she woke Price up to have sex. And he fell back asleep. So by 6 a.m. the next morning, his car was still in the driveway and none of his co-workers had seen him. Uh, his neighbor was very concerned about him. Yeah, so concerned about Price, a co-worker and a neighbor actually went over to his house and they were knocking on his bedroom window thinking that he might be sleeping because it's 6 a.m. So they were banging on his bedroom window and that's when they noticed blood on the front door. So they just called police. So the police actually arrived at 8 a.m., they broke down the front door to get into the house. And on the scene, they found Price's body right next to Catherine. And she was actually unconscious, lying next to a bunch of pills. The story is, is that after he fell back asleep, Catherine stabbed Pri uh, Price with a butcher knife. The So the blood evidence actually showed that Price was awoken after being stabbed. It looked like there was blood smear on the light switch, so it looked like he attempted to turn on a light, and then he like tried to escape Catherine running down their hallway. And uh, she chased him, chased him throughout the whole house out to the front door. Um, but investigators don't know. They think that either he ran outside 
and she dragged him back inside because of the blood evidence and everything. Or they think that, uh, that, oh, that he got outside and then he like kind of stumbled back inside somehow or something. Weird. Yeah. Because all the blood was everywhere in the front. That was the front door that they were talking about. So, um, And there was also a bunch of blood in the hallway. Like a crazy amount of blood. And so that same night, she actually went out and she withdrew $1,000 from his account. The autopsy report showed that Catherine had sh- uh, stabbed him at least 37 times. Damn. Both in the front and the back of his body. Okay, this gets a little gross. So, hours after Catherine, she stabbed him. They did the whole chase around the hallway, gone outside. She potentially dragged him back inside. He's dead at this point. She skins him, takes his skin, puts it on meat hooks, and she framed it on one of the doorways that led to the lounge room. What the fuck? Yeah. So then she proceeded to decapitate him and she placed not only his head, but other body parts into a pot uh, along with meat, baked potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. Yum. Mm-hmm. So she was going to eat that shit? No, she had another plan. She placed two settings at the table. Um, full of this delicious meal that she just made. And she had two uh, notes next to each of the plate settings. And these notes uh, had Price's children's name on them. The two children that he had in custody, the two older ones. It had their names on them. Like, she intended, intended them to eat this for dinner when they came home. What the fuck? So um, when you were saying that you were wondering if she was going to eat it. So investigators actually found a third meal that had just been kind of thrown in the back lawn. And they think that she actually tr- attempted to eat it. And she just, I don't know, she didn't like it. I don't, yeah. So, so I don't know if she really tried or not. But there was a third m- meal out in the back of all, you know, everything she cooked. So she may have tried it. I don't know. So his, his head was actually found in the pot with the vegetables and the pot was still warm when they found it. Catherine actually uh, staged his body with his left arm draped over an empty liter soda bottle and uh, his legs were crossed and in court they stated that uh, Catherine did this to just defile his corpse, make him look bad after death. I don't know. So left at the scene was a handwritten note from Catherine. It had blood stain, blood stains all over it and small pieces of flesh. So it said, quote, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck for Ross for little John. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. So in this, when she says time got you back, Jonathan, she's re- Jonathan's actually Price's son. So she's accusing him of raping one of her daughters. Oh, shit. So that's what she's saying. And I think this is why she's getting so angry towards them and trying to feed him or feed them her their father. And then she says, you to Beck. Beck is Price's daughter. For Ross. Uh, for little John, which is Price's son, too. I'm, I'm kind of confused of why she said that. And yeah, so she's pretty much this is all towards his his uh, children. Did that uh, end up being true? That the- no, I was just going to say that. Yeah, no. Uh, all of this was, nothing was proven true. She was just, I think she was just saying this shit to 
to fuck with his kids or something. But she, yeah, she accused them all of it, but nothing was proven true. So in the trial, Catherine pled guilty to manslaughter, but it was rejected and she was charged on February 2nd of 2001 for the murder of John Price. So during the trial on October 25th, the 60 juror prospects had the option of being excused during the time they showed photographic evidence. I don't blame them, but I would probably say, not going to lie. Um, five of them accepted. Of <laughs> five of them actually accepted the offer and they're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I can't see this shit. And so the jury was dismissed after she pled not guilty. And then she changed her plea to guilty. And uh, her actually her defense, defense team was claiming that Catherine had amnesia and disassociation. So Catherine actually never accepted responsibility or showed any remorse for what she did. But when they were uh, talking about the graphic details of the crime, her lawyer requested that she be excused. But it was denied, and she was very hysterical, and she uh, was sedated when she was hearing all these details and stuff. So on November 8th of 2001, Catherine Knight was to receive life in prison with her papers marked never to be released. And she was the first woman in, in Australia's history to be sentenced to life with her paper, papers being marked never to be released. Damn. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Hell yeah. Yeah. But that's the fucking crazy story of Catherine Knight and the murder of John Price. How'd you like, like it? All those fucking red flags from her be- in the beginning. Like, all the mental hospitals she went through and... Her childhood? The shit that her mom said to her? It's I mean, crazy. her being sexually abused. All this stuff. It's just like... Yeah, it just it, and from it's it's crazy. Oh, uh, her mom was just like, I hate men. I hate having sex. And then, you know, it's like something I don't know triggering her brain. And now, you know, she was kind of like getting mad at all these men for not having sex with her and like wanting to strangle them. And then it's just this woman, she's all over the place. I can't believe she got th- these. <laughs> you know, like I was saying before, like she has some way of talking to these men or something to get all of them and have all these babies. I. I feel so bad for all her children. And all the children involved. Mm-hmm. And what about exactly, the past yeah, uh, exactly. past dudes? What would they think that, oh, she finally killed somebody? Right, yeah, it could have been me. Like, yeah, totally. Shit, I didn't even think about that, yeah. Fuck. Well, Terrifying. Once again, another story to torment me. Mm-hmm. I hope you sleep good tonight. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to my, my story until until the next one. I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Hell yeah. Thank to you. Guys. Episode two. And, uh, oh, by the way, also, um, follow me on, uh, on Instagram at gruesome and unnatural. I post all the store. Um, I'm sorry, all the photos and everything from these cases. So you can actually see these people like last one, Megan Broso. I have all that on my Instagram. So, uh, that actually Twitter, TikTok, all that stuff. I kind of post all of that on there. So yeah, go check that out. Yeah. And, uh, we do, we do these stories and to make people aware and so it's a warning criminals watch your fucking backs yeah